Amen. Thank you, worship team. Uh, just, j- just a chance to worship him loud uh, tonight. What a, what a great, those are great moments. Uh, man, just thinking about the things too. So many reasons. So many. And, you know, across this room, each of us has so many reasons. You think about that and that combination of how great our God is and what he's done for us. You know, eternity isn't long enough to to tell of his praise. And we had a chance to do that even tonight and now. It's uh, wonderful. How many of you brought your Bibles with you? If you're uh, watching online, you've got a chance to grab yours. uh, and I would encourage you to do so. Uh, if you don't have your own notebooks with you, I'd encourage you to grab one of those little papers in front of you and take some notes tonight. We are kind of in a mini-series, which means we try and jam a whole lot of Scripture into a really short portion of time. And you're probably not going to be able to follow along with all of it, but I'd love for you to write it down. Go home, open your Bible tomorrow, and it's like, Lord, speak to me uh, more on this uh, topic. And uh, believe me, he will. Found just great, great things, spending time in his Word every day. Uh, as you've noticed uh, from some of our slides, we are here to help people find Christ and find community. And I, I love what someone prayed that, uh, Lord, we need your presence. And I remind you of that again tonight, that what we, what we need more than anything is to be aware of his presence. That means like he's everywhere, but it's us opening our hearts and saying, Lord, <laughs> yes, I know you're here and my heart is open to you, your voice. Would you do in me whatever you desire? So tonight is part two of our series called... Uh, uh, something to do with enough. But last week we talked about how Christ is enough. Tonight we're going to talk about how he is more than enough. So you can just jot that down as your title, More Than Enough. Um, last week we looked at developing a daily dependence on the Lord, that each of us has been designed to daily depend on God. And we seem to get away with you know, living in a culture where we don't have to have a daily we, we, we have like a weekly dependence on God. If we get to church, or we can fall into that routine. But he desires the daily dependence on him. And we find out often in our life that it's in the lows. When we hit hard times, all of a sudden, what does it make us do? <laughs> Lord, help. Right? We begin to pray. And it's powerful what happens in our relationship with the Lord when we hit those lows. But the truth is, it's in the lows and the highs that he desires us to be dependent on him. That, it's, that our eyes would be turned towards him no matter where we are in our, in our life. You know, there's that, that prayer that we talked about last week. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. You know, the food that we need. I know we just go to our fridge and we just grab it. We talked about this last week. But he desires us to have a daily dependence on him for all of our needs. He wants us to be aware of the fact that the only reason we have any of that and the blessing we have in, our, in, in this nation is because of him. And never to forget in those moments that I'm daily dependent on you, Lord. And so, Lord, help. And then even that song. Man, we haven't sung it in 10 years. How fitting. Till all we want in life and all we need in life is found in you. Sometimes it takes us getting into some of those rocky, uh, rocky places or deep waters where we begin to realize, <laughs> yeah, Lord, none of it matters. All I need is you. And we get to the spot where it's like, man, Lord, all, all I want is you. And it's his work in us that's doing it. It's the heart of, uh, of what Holy Spirit does in our hearts. And so we realize that uh, what's in us, last week we talked about what's in us, often comes out of us in times of pressure. Anybody agree? How, how was your week with that? Anybody have any experiences? I won't make you share them. Uh, I will. Uh, so this week, this week, um, 
Man, it was not even this week. I was doing great this week until yesterday. Uh, yesterday, I was just like tired from doing two volunteer dinners, a bunch of sleepless nights, trying to digest those ginormous hamburgers. Uh, and so, you know, for the, for the first time, in a, in a long time, I actually, yesterday morning, I missed my morning appointment with the Lord. Like every morning, I take time just to spend time with Him in His presence. I know that I need that. I've learned that. Uh, that, that I learned it the hard way and realized, man, I just desire that so much. But I, but I had a late start to the morning, and then I also had to take my son to an appointment. And my wife was like, make sure you're on time. I'm like, okay, I will be on time. And uh, then we left, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be late. And so I'm like, I want to blame my son, but it wasn't his fault, so of. So I'm like, oh, you know, driving all the way to Simcoe. And, and then doesn't it start to like just pour rain and everybody drives like it's the middle of a snowstorm and I can't pass. I'm like, I'm getting later, like by the second here. I'm just like, oh, and then and then we hit every light red. So finally we get to the spot and I'm like, I drive there and I'm, 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 I'm speeding a little bit at the end there just to get there in time. And I drive into the parking lot and the building is gone. I'm like, wait, there was a foot clinic here. Where, where is it? And then I look at my map and I realize I'm only a few minutes late. It's got to be here somewhere. It's on the other side of Simcoe. And then I'm like, oh, man. So I'm like speeding. We hit lights and I'm like, this is it, you know. And, and, and I had a fit. I just did. Right there in the car with my son. I'm like, I, the stuff just came out. And it was like, later on, I got there and realized we didn't have to be that early. And I was like, oh, Lord, help me apologize to my son. You know, to realize that dad's just a real guy who really needs the Lord. And, uh, you know, just every once in a while, the pressure reveals. And I was like, Lord, man, I, I know that I, I need you. And, that, and then there's my wife. Okay, same day. Same day. She, she left the house at 6.30 in the morning, and she had to take my car. She was doing hair for a wedding party in, in, uh, in Paris, this long drive. Uh, so she has to get up early. She goes out there, and uh, I borrowed her van the night before to move stuff for the volunteer dinner, and I just was too tired, lazy, slash whatever, to unpack it. So she had to take my car, which she doesn't like to drive. And then halfway home, all of a sudden, the steering stops working. And then the lights on the dash like light up like a Christmas tree. And she keeps going. And then the brakes lights come on, the emergency brake lights. And she's like, I can make it. And, and then, <laughs> then she does call me. And she's like, hey, what do these lights mean? And we're sitting there on FaceTime trying to figure it out. I'm like, yeah, that's not good. I called Bruce. He's like, yeah, that's not good. I'm like, okay, pull over wherever you are and wait for me. So she's just done a, like a full day's work of hair. She just wants to get home. And now she has to wait because she took my car and it broke down. And in my mind, I'm like, oh man, this is, this is, this is just not good. I wish that I'd emptied the van last night. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I will be there as um, ASAP as possible to pick you up just wherever you are. And she's in Mount Pleasant and I'm in Hagersville and I have to go to Caledonia first. And then, so about an hour and a half later, I tentatively drive into the parking lot of the windmill at Mount Pleasant. And I'm just like expecting her to act like me. She's going to lose it, right? And, and I get in there, and there she is, pleasantly smiling, reading, enjoying a coffee. And I was like, St. <laughs> Bethany, the angel, sitting there. And, and, I, and, I, and I walked to her, and I'm just like, I'm right away. Like, hon, I'm, I'm so sorry. She's like, what do you mean? She's like, this stuff like this happens. I'm like, what? What do you mean stuff? Like, when, this, when half of this happens to me, I'm late, and I lose my... I'm like, man, what incredible grace just comes out of her. And I was like, I prayed right there. Lord, help me to be more like Beth. 
But maybe you see it in your life, right? The pressure. What, what comes out of your life in those times of pressure? Hopefully, it's like Beth. Hopefully, it's those things. But, you know, these are just minor things. I see people going through really tough things and seeing what's coming out of their lives. And some of you amaze me by how the peace and the joy that comes out as a result. And it's an incredible blessing. But what are we learning we're learning that we trust him more in everything in our lives. You know, as I drove home from there, I was like, Lord, you know, like you knew this was going to happen. It's not this is a surprise to you. I can just trust you. I'm like, man, what are we going to do for a vehicle, though? And then I went and hung out with my buddy Frank that night. And he's like, hey, we have three. You can just take one. I was like, man, like the Lord even knows. And it's just, just amazing things happening. Incredibly blessed by that. And I was like, why did we have to have all that? We never did. Never had to have those moments. But just remembering that realization, I, we need him in here. And so this week I've been reading some things by Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers is an, is a, an older, well, he's no longer with us guy. Uh, he wrote, I, I thought he's like the first one to pioneer like the, uh, I don't know, the profile pic for the dating website, I think. You know, I see like nobody else sits like that back in the day. But Oswald Chambers wrote a book called uh, My Utmost for His Highest, among others. And he writes about the storms in our life. And he actually writes and says, you know, it's just interesting as I was reading. He's like, he says, you know, in the storms of life, God's not trying to teach you something. And I was like, amen to that. And then I keep reading. He's like, he's, he, he wants you to unlearn something. In the storms of your life, he says, he wants you to unlearn something. Simply that our relationship with him becomes simplified like that of a child, just God and my own soul. That in all those things, those storms, those clouds, he's wanting us to unlearn our dependence on me, our unlearn any of these other avenues we'll go to, that it simply becomes him and me. You know, and I, 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 th- I thought about that, the simplicity of the relationship with God, and I thought, and you ask people how to describe their relationship with God, and it's like Facebook, they're like, it's complicated. Meaning, <laughs> I don't want to say. You know, I don't want to explain what the relationship is because I don't know if I have the right words. And, and for some, it just simply means I don't know if it really exists, but I'll like, I, I don't want to answer. I don't want to answer what it is. It's complicated. But the relationship with him is meant to be simple. And he desires for us to have that simplicity of relationship. And I thought about it. It could really easily be just described as this. He loves me. I trust him. He loves me and I trust him. Everything else really falls under those two categories. No matter what I face in life, he loves me and I trust him, meaning he is enough. He is enough, like we said last week. There's this song, you know, last week I told you to listen to a song. I was just kidding. It's not, I mean, anybody listen to Looking for a City? If you missed it, good. This one, don't miss it, though. This song was simply, um, says, Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Written by a pastor, he's like, he sings, hallelujah, all I have is Christ. Hallelujah, Jesus is my life. And he talks about how he wrote this song, and it was really complex and everything, and he'd go and play it for his dad, and his dad's like, nah, make it simpler. So you make it a little simpler, you go back and play it, no, make it simpler. Like he says, I went back and forth probably like 10 times before I finally just got to like, okay, how, how is this? And he's like, yes. Now what does it mean? Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. It's all that matters. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. I think of the words of Job. You know, he said, you know, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I shall return. None of the stuff around us, we don't take it with us. That reminder, that perspective, that all that we have that matters is Christ. And he truly is enough. He truly is enough. You know, last week we said Christ is enough and there's rarely any leftovers. And tonight, you know, as you heard, the message title is more than enough. 
And you think maybe this is a bit of a contradiction. And I would agree that it's a thinker. It's definitely a thinker. And in, in the words of Gary, this is like one of his dad jokes. You know, this, this is like one of Gary's dad jokes where it really is a thinker. And Gary's not here, so we're just going to put this up for a second. He does it to me. Let's get back time. You know, last week, though, we mentioned that, that God gives just enough and that there's rarely leftovers. And today I just simply want to talk about the leftovers uh, in life and, and how God has a purpose for those as well, but it's not always what we think. You know, in the account of Jesus feeding the 5,000, when he fed the 5,000, he says there was enough for Jesus to eat, there was enough for his disciples to eat, there was enough for the crowd of 5,000, and at the end there was leftovers. We said, you know, as Jesus was talking to the next day, he's like, what you need is the daily dependence on me. But that day there was leftovers. Matthew 14, 20, you can jot it down. That's where you'll see it. But the word leftovers in and of itself, it's not actually mentioned in the text. But the idea of it is there. They gathered 12 baskets of the fragments. And it's, you know, when we think of the word leftovers, when we think of that term, we think of it in a certain way. And I, I can't, every time I think of leftovers, I can't help but be reminded of a story that happened in my life when, when I was just recently married. And I've told this story a number of times. Some of you may have heard it, but it's just one of my favorites. You know, so back when Beth and I were recently married, we would go, we, we didn't have kids. We went out for dinner a lot. And so we went to this place that served um, uh, chicken and ribs. And uh, so we would go there. It's called Christians No Longer Exists. But we'd go there and we'd, we'd uh, uh, enjoy meal there. It was, but it was all you can eat. So we would eat all the chicken that we could. And then at the end, we'd take the ribs home. So at the end of the night, I'd ask the waitress, I'm like, can I get a doggy bag for the ribs? And she's like, yeah, no problem. And sends, sends that uh, home. And so we, we go home. And the next morning... Um, Beth gets up early like she does and she goes to work and then I get up late and I'm like I'm hungry so I look in the fridge I'm like oh perfect there's the ribs so I grab them I, I, I fry some eggs and I fry the ribs and I have that for breakfast and it was like so delicious I was like I'm gonna eat hers too and so I fry up hers and and some more eggs and I eat all the ribs and and then I go to work and that afternoon she comes home from her work shift and I'm kind of doing the, the afternoons evenings and she calls me and she says hey did you eat the ribs and I was like, yeah, I'm really sorry. I was just, they were just so good. And she says to me, she's like, all of a sudden she's like quiet. And she's like, no, like, I'm sorry. I'm like, well, why are you sorry? She's like, because I thought when you asked for a doggy bag, you meant it. So I put the ribs in the dog's dish in the morning. She just licked off all the sauce, but didn't eat them. So I just put them back in the fridge. <laughs> I was like, I... I have been profoundly impacted by that, that moment. I thought more of you would have known that already, but it is incredible. It is incredibly true. It's profoundly affected my life, like I hope this talk does for you tonight. Um, but to this day, when I, go to the, when I go to the fridge and I open it and I look for something to eat, I'll see leftovers in there. And my wife is a phenomenal cook. She'll make like beef bourgeois and I'll look and be like, leftovers, I'll go have cereal. You know, or she, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, even Greek chicken, I'm like, oh, you don't have toast. Because it has, it has messed with me. It has messed with me. And, and so my question tonight, and I hope you remember this, because my question is this. Why do we keep leftovers in the fridge? That's not like the spiritual moment. The spiritual thing is this. Here's the point I think we need to, to, to take tonight with us is this. That keeping leftovers is the assumption that it's all for our consumption. Keeping leftovers is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. And I want us to think about that tonight much deeper than just leftovers in the fridge. Because the illustration wasn't meant to make you go home and toss everything in your fridge. 
The, the illustration tonight is to say, what's going on in my heart? Because to be honest, there's a mindset that subtly and inadvertently puts the dependence back on us when we live in a life where we're used to leftovers. And not, not talking about food, but in all kinds of areas of our life, we have this thing of where the dependence begins to come back on us when it needs to be on him. And it's in this area, and so we want to talk about that tonight. And so, you know, I think we, we can sometimes think, well, if I keep this, then I will have enough for me later. And it's the opposite of what his desire is for us. And as we begin to trust him, he, instead of having leftovers, he uses that as overflow. That instead of having things that are leftovers for my consumption, it's overflow for the blessing of others. And we see it all over. You know, as we begin to trust him to be enough for us, his desire is that he would overflow through our lives to others. And I, my prayer is that that happens tonight. And once again, we see this all through scripture. So grab and get ready to write. But here we go. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. We're going to put them on the screen. I'm not even going to turn to them tonight because uh, we're not, we'll be here for a while. It says this, Genesis 12, verse 1 to 3. This is the story of Abram. And so it says this, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I'll show you. I'll make you into a great nation. What does he say? I will bless you. There's the, I'm enough for you. If you follow me, if you trust me, I will be enough. And you know what? I'm going to make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I'll be enough for you and it's going to overflow. Verse 3 says, I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on the earth are going to be blessed through you. He's like Abraham. Uh, Back then his name was Abram, same guy. He says to him, if you trust me. I will be enough for you. Leave your father, leave your mother, leave your home, leave it all behind, leave your comfort zone, and simply trust me. And I promise that I'll be enough for you, and it's going to overflow into others. I thought about that. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you see that, and we, we know it today. We are blessed. We're in this place tonight because of Abraham's trust in the Lord. It's through him that the covenant was made, that we see Jesus coming to the planet, and it's, we see so all the peoples of the world have been blessed through Christ as a result of Abraham. You know, and I was reminded of the story of Ruth. Uh, if you have a chance, go read the story of Ruth. It's in, a, it's in the uh, Bible under the title Ruth. Uh, and so Ruth is, I'm just going to give you a quick Cole's notes, but Ruth is a story of a poor woman, um, and she's a widow. Her husband had died. She's living with her mother-in-law. They leave their land. They go back home to the, to the mother's um, home uh, country, and uh, they're there, and then, you know, they're hungry, and so Ruth, being the younger one, she says, I'm going to go out, and I'm going to start gleaning in the fields, meaning I'm going to go pick up the grain uh, that's sort of been left on the ground. So all the farmers who are harvesting right now, you know, the soybeans all kind of fall out at the loading site. She's going to pick up those. That, that's her job. Uh, have, have anybody seen anybody doing that recently? Probably not. So, but, but she's going, and that's what she's going to do. And so she goes to this field, and she sees some farmers. She goes and joins, and she begins, she begins picking up the grain. And uh, she, she ends up working in the field, and it actually says that the other workers looked at her and says, man, she's been like working like super hard the whole time. She only took a little break, it says, but the rest of the time she's going, picking up grain. And then the owner shows up. The owner's name's Boaz, and if you, you know, if you know the story, you think through it, but picture, what it was, picture with me what that was like. The owner shows up, and uh, you would think he would ask her, hey, what do you think you're doing? Why are you, like, picking grain in my field? Why, why are you taking stuff for yourself? You don't work for me. But he actually, he doesn't. He asks the other workers, like, yeah, like, she's a super hard worker, and he's like, okay. He's like, well, come have lunch with us, and it says that she ate all she wanted, and she still had some left over. 
And we'll find out what happens with that in a minute. Then the owner of the place tells the workers, he's like, hey, listen, let this girl just follow you. And actually, instead of collecting everything, you guys just cut it and drop some on the ground for her. So it's super easy for her to pick it up. And we think, man, that just seems so odd, so, so strange. We would, like, anybody have that happen at your job? Somebody just shows up, Haldeman Motors, like, hey, I'm going to take this car for a spin. And you're like, wait, wait, wait a second. No, like, we're not doing that. How does, it, how does it work? Well, here we see in Ruth chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it says this. So Ruth, this is how her rest of her day goes. She gathered barley there all day. And when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. They're used to getting a few handfuls. She's got a basket full. She carries it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. And Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her lunch. What a bizarre thing. What a bizarre thing until we realize that Boaz, the boss, understood the purpose of leftovers. He understood what leftovers was all about. He didn't live with the assumption that it was all for his consumption. And why? Because it's actually the way that God had designed his people to live. When he called Abraham out, and then later on through Moses, he gave his law and said, this is how I want you to live. We find it in Leviticus 19, verse 9. Here's the law that he gave to the people of Israel years and years and years prior. He says this in verse 9, when you harvest your crops of your land... Don't harvest the grain along the edges of your fields and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It's the same with your grape crop. Don't strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and don't pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I'm the Lord your God. Boaz was like, hey, I know that whatever the Lord's blessed me with isn't all for me. It's actually meant to overflow into the lives of others. And they lived with the assumption that it's not all for their consumption. And God desires to work in his people and through his people. And that's not just then, but it's today as well. You know, in the Old Testament, we read often about how God commanded the people to give a tenth of their income to, to the temple, a tenth to the, to the house of the Lord. And it was this principle, uh, basically, of overflow, saying, he said, I'm going to bless you. I've given it all to you. I want you to give a tenth of everything you make. I want you to bring it first. Not wait till the end, like, maybe if I got some leftover. He's like, no, I want you to bring it first. Why? Because God, I trust you that you're going to be enough. And he's like, yeah, and I love you, and I'll be enough, and it's going to overflow. Watch what happens. And people would do that. But we find out that people have been always been people. And they would obey the Lord and experience his blessing. And then for some reason, they would change their mind and be like, yeah, I'm done with that. I want to try the hard way. And they would go this way, and it would be terrible for them. And, and then we see at the very end of uh, the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, Malachi 3, verse 10. He says this, the Lord's like, he's, he's kind of reprimanding the people, and he tells them, bring all the tithes, which the word means tenth, into the storehouse so there'll be enough food for you, or food in my temple. And if you do this, he says, the, says the Lord of uh, heaven's armies, I'm going to open the windows of heaven for you. I'm going to pour out a blessing so great that what? You won't have enough room to take it in. I'm going to be more than enough in your life. It's going to overflow. And he's like, try me. Put me to the test. See if I don't come through. Like, when have you ever heard God say, hey, test me. <laughs> See if I won't do what I said that I'll do. And some of you are like, you're getting nervous. You're like, man, this sounds like the health and wealth gospel coming out. Oh man, they're going to take an offering. Let me just, this is not a money message. There will be no offering at the end of this thing. I just want you to see that throughout scripture, this principle is there of saying, God, I'm trusting you. And as you trust him, he does over uh, and abundantly more than uh, even Paul says over and abundantly more than we can even ask or imagine. 
And you know, I think the easy one to talk about is money because we can all relate to it. Each of us has this thing. Each of us has that desire that, that will call on us for just a little bit more. We, we, we all have it. You know, it's, it's not just that Jesus is saying, hey, get, or the, the scriptures say, give the tenth. It's actually with the words of Jesus. So let's turn there together to Luke chapter 12. This one will go to, together. Luke chapter 12. Jesus is having a conversation with some people. And then two brothers run up and say, Jesus, like we're fighting over money. Fix it. And he says this to them in verse uh, 15. Luke 12, 15. He said, beware, beware, meaning look out, guard against every kind of greed. He's like, here are your brothers and you're fighting over money. He's like, look out, look out. Guard yourself against every kind of greed. And he reminds him, life's not measured by how much you own. He's like, fellas, check it here for a second. We're talking about the value of life here, the value of relationship. It's not measured by who got the most. Then verse 16, he says, then he told them the story. A rich man had a fertile field that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods. And then I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend. Uh, anybody else call themselves my friend? That's interesting. He says, he says to himself, my friend, you have, he probably had no other friends. I just realized that, you know. <laughs> my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy and eat and drink and be merry. What, what is this revealing? It's like we talked about earlier. You don't need to depend on anybody else. Look, my, my friend, you've done it for you. Like, you can take it easy. And then it says this, but God said to him, you fool, you're going to die this very night. Then who's going to get everything you worked so hard for? Verse 21, Jesus says, yeah, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And he just, he just hits that, that spot of importance saying, yeah, you can do all of this, but there's something way more important. There's a treasure much more important than wealth, and that is that rich relationship with the Lord. You know, money's the thing we all deal with, wealth, all of these things, is, it's the thing we, we all deal with, but it's a great revealer of what's going on in our hearts. It really is. Uh, our, our money follows our hearts and our hearts follow our money. And so Paul wrote to Timothy about it as well. And you can jot this one down. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. He says this, teach those who are rich in this world. Teach those who are rich in this world. Anybody have any idea who the rich people in the world are? <laughs> if you're in this room, put up your hand, please. If you're watching online, you have a TV, put up your hand. I know, right at home. If you're listening in the car, you have a car. Put up your hand. It's us. We, every single person in North America is on the top, you know, couple percent of the wealthy in the world. So who's he writing to? Yes, he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and what not to trust in their money. Man, it's easy to go to the fridge and not have to say, Lord, I'm trusting you for my daily bread. It's easy just to know, ah, you know, I can sit back and relax. I can just retire because I've got it all together. It's me, me, me. And he's not preaching against retirement. That's not the thing. He's saying, don't trust in it. Don't allow it to become God in your life because there is one God that you are daily dependent on. He says, don't trust in their money. It's so unreliable. 
Teach them that their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Man, he's just loaded in there saying, hey, this is what really matters and, and this is not necessarily what matters. And you know, there's that famous thought of having the two hands. There's the closed fist of what, what do I have versus the open hand of God saying, hey, look, what, what can I just put in here? I know people that have an open hand. I can put anything in there because I know they're just going to they're going to freely give it as I desire. And there's others like, no, it's mine. It's mine. And, and, and he can't put anything in there. And I wonder sometimes which one do we live with? We have so much, but which one are we living with? And you know what it is? God's desire for us to have an open hand is this simply this thing of let me overflow in your hand because it's going to run over and affect others. Let me overflow in your life. Trust me every day that I can overflow in your life to others. I'm going to give you a list of thoughts on what that might look like tonight. Number one, it is financial. Financial. It really is one of the ways that he desires to overflow in our lives. And, you know, it goes from this question of saying, rather than how can I get blessed to who can I bless? Rather than saying how can I get blessed to say who can I bless? You know what I find really interesting? The first question gets answered by doing the second one. Have you noticed? Man, it's like, who can I bless? And you're like, man, I just did something for someone else, gave something to someone else. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I do. I just realized it truly is better to give than to receive. And, and you know, we're not saying here tonight, oh, you got to give away all your money and live in poverty. Uh, Paul even writes to the Corinthians. You can read it in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 13. And he says to them, I'm not telling you to give away all your money to those who are in need so that now you're in need. He's like, no. He says, he, he's basically saying this. Share what you don't need with those who are in need. That's it. Share what you don't need to help those who are in need. And then trust me. Right? He's calling us to that. And I think there's something in... I, man, I wrestle with this probably more than anyone. This is one of my great struggles. And yet he keeps reminding me, Mark, you got to trust me. And I'm going to bring some of these things, uh, different, different things in your life that keep bringing us to this place of... <laughs> Yeah, I can just trust him. Second thought is this, forgiveness. Because some of you, financially, you're just like, no, no problem with that. But it's forgiveness. Did you realize that you've been forgiven enough that that might overflow to others? We see it in the parable of the two servants in Luke chapter 12, I believe it is. There's two men. One owes a million dollars, one owes a hundred. The one who owes a million gets forgiven the million, and then he won't forgive the one who owes a hundred. And Jesus is saying to, to each and every person, you've been forgiven much. And as a result, forgive others. Don't forgive them because they deserve it. They probably don't. Forgive them because you've been forgiven much. I forgave you enough. Now let that overflow into other people's lives. And then third, comfort. Comfort. Have you thought about this? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 3, Paul writes this. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. And He comforts us in all our troubles. Why? So we can comfort others. He's enough that it might overflow to others. When they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. I, I, I mean, I've been so challenged, especially in the last week when my back was in a bad way. I was, there's so many times laying awake at night, and I remember back in the day, I would just pray, Oh, Lord, like, just need to be healed. Just, just give me the strength so that, you know, if I'm healed, then I can go and do what you desire for me to do. 
I begin to learn, like, Lord, you know, you know what's going on in my life. I trust you. Now, what do you desire for me to do? I began to pray for you in the middle of the night. Many of you came to mind. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to allow that overflow. Lord, I trust you. You're more than enough for me. Now let me pray for them. And realizing, too, those times of when you comfort others in their trouble, it's amazing at how his comfort is just revealed in our hearts, and it's that cycle. And man, when you go and, like, I I visited some people, uh, you know, this week, and we're talking about all the tough things that were going on in their lives. And as we started out, it was kind of like, you know, this competition of who's having it worse. And uh, you know what happens? You kind of feel like, eh. And then we began talking about what the Lord's doing in our lives. And then we began realizing there's other people who have it way worse than us. And we'd be like talking about, talking about uh, their situations. And, I mean, and, and then she was like, yeah, you know, I just, that's right. There's others who are going through difficult, let's pray for them. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's, it was the cure for poor me's disease. No more poor me, poor me, poor me. It's this realization. I'm like, wow, Lord, you've designed that in us that it might overflow. And here's one we've been talking about with our leadership team about Holy Spirit. Do you realize that God desires to fill us with his spirit to the point where it overflows for the benefit of others? Sometimes we're like a little scared. Like, uh, you know, what's it look like if God fills me with his spirit? It looks like him getting the glory for all the things that he does in your life. You look at the book of Acts. Acts, everything the apostles did was because of an overflow of Holy Spirit. And Jesus promised it in John 7. He's like, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me. And he says, I, and uh, I'm going to, Um, give you drink and it says the scriptures declare that rivers of living water are going to flow out of here rivers are they they don't stop the river just keeps flowing and flowing that's what i desire for your life to look like my spirit just flows out of your life how many of you be like yeah that describes my life holy spirit's flowing all the time maybe you're like yeah no it's the opposite you know what the opposite of a river is a swamp how many of you's like yeah i'm not raising my hand but i do feel a little swampy sometimes The desire is like, Lord, Lord, help. Would you fill me? I'm dependent on you. I remember going, even this week, him challenging me with this, going to things, talking to people on the phone, situations that are beyond, beyond my comprehension, beyond what I learned about in Bible school, beyond what I even feel like I have enough compassion for. And I just was like, Lord, every time, Lord, help. They don't need me and they don't need my words, but Lord, they need you. You know, in each of those conversations, these people just saying, oh, this is exactly what I needed. And I was like, yeah, he knew. I couldn't have prepared enough for it, but he knew. He knew. Let me quickly jot down the last few. John 15, 11, you can write it down. He says, joy. He desires joy to overflow. He says, I've told you these things, Jesus said, so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Man, our world is in deep need of people who carry true joy with them. His desires are to overflow in our lives. Romans 15, these are Paul's prayers. Verse 13, he says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. Like he's a, man, it's his power in you that will overflow with hope. Again, we live in a world so needing True hope. First Thessalonians 3, he prays this, May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as, you, uh, just as our love for you overflows. His desire, he's saying, man, I, this love thing of loving one another, I want that to, to be more than just. 
More than just enough for you. Oh, it's the, the Lord loves me. Yeah, he loves you, but he wants it to overflow to others. I think about it in marriages. You know, so often it's marriages, people in relationships, they're like trying so desperately to get that empty feeling filled from the other person. And they can never do it. And they draw and they draw and they draw on each other and it's just miserable. You know, you find the answer is when you're just like, Lord, you're enough. Lord, let your love fill my heart because I know they can't do it. And would you fill me like more, than, more than just me, that it might overflow, that I have something to share with them. And the next time, you know, they make you take their car and it breaks down and you're stuck and stranded. The response is, ah, oh, honey, thank you for coming to rescue me. The overflow. Man, my wife and her relationship with the Lord is a beautiful thing. I see it on display. And man, I just believe that for, for more of us. And then finally, Colossians 2, verse 7. He says, let your roots grow down into Christ. Let your lives be built on him. And your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you're going to overflow with thankfulness. That gratitude would be what comes out of your life simply, simply because of what he has legitimately done in your life. You know, think about Jesus healing people and doing whatever he did uh, when he was uh, on the planet. And he'd tell people, okay, don't tell anybody. And what would they do? <laughs> tell everybody. <laughs> Why? Because they knew this is what he's done for me. And there was incredible gratitude. And so today, today my prayer and challenge, my question for you is this. What is he saying to you? Not like, what do you think I'm saying to you? Like, maybe we just need to give in the offering and he'll not talk about, no, it's, you've missed the point. Maybe like, maybe I just got to go home and check my fr- fridge. No, you missed the point. What, what is he saying to you? In what areas of those things or, or others, you're like, yeah, I kind of treat them like leftovers. Lord, may I see them as overflow. May I see it as uh, your way of overflowing in my life to others. And to be honest, as a church, you guys are really great at this. You really are in so many ways. And I actually just want to read, I just want to read an email that was sent to me this week, sent to me at 2.15 in the morning. From my brother Frank, who's sitting in the back here. I'm grateful he's on chemo right now and has to be seated away from others, but thank you for the grace shown to him. But he wrote this and just said, I felt like the Lord wanted me to send this. And so I want to read it to you. He says, Dear Mark, I want to share with you about the abundance of blessing that our family has received from members of this congregation. It's been overwhelming how much support we have received from our church family. Without a doubt, it screams Christ and community. With the challenges we're facing as a family with my health, added to the fact that we're moving at the exact same time that I started treatment and the side effects of that, and in addition to complications like blood clots, it's overwhelming to me to even think about our situation. Simone and our kids faced this insurmountable challenge, but I came to realize they didn't face the challenge alone. We've had people come to our aid in ways that we could not have imagined. I think it's vitally important to let you know and the members of our congregation know the incredible support we have received and how we are eternally grateful. Let me share just some of the ways that we have been blessed. People have taken time out of their busy schedules to help pack even when we haven't been there. Others help load, help transfer boxes to storage containers, some to our new location, sharing homes for us and our family members. Meals have been cooked for us, errands run for us, and picking up and dropping off our children. Tips from others about managing treatment, parking at the hospital, hospital and so much more and just this weekend a small crew spent the day at our house unbeknownst to us and spent the entire day packing the rest of our home for us as a surprise gift to us loading and unloading taking time out of their busy lives and families to give to our family 
More people came and took apart, moved and put back together a pool table so the kids can have all their friends over and enjoy the basement space in the new place. And as I write this, it brings tears to my eyes because they have been there every step of the way, any way possible for anything we needed, the hands and feet of Jesus. I have no words that can express the deep gratitude I have. In another one of my night conversations with the Lord, he reminded me that although I was giving thanks for all the material things, I failed to include the most important thing, the spiritual support, the prayers, the constant prayers, being lifted up in prayer by so many in our church and community. This has been such a blessing, and we can constantly feel the prayers. It's amazing. I love our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, so much. Jesus continues to bless us abundantly. I feel his presence every single day. I want my will to align with his will. He's leading and guiding me in every way. I believe in miracles, and now I believe with all my heart to all his glory, honor, and praise that he is in control and taking care of all of our needs at every turn. His love for us is undeniable, beyond our comprehension. He's using our church family to provide for us, and it's incredible to be a part of. It blows me away every single day. God's richest blessings on you, on this family, on this church family, and this community. Overflow. That's all I can say. That the genuine working of the Lord in your lives has overflow. Because as a church, it's what he's calling us to individually and corporately. That we would overflow with his presence to one another, like you've done, and to our world. I was reminded of this, this, the last number of weeks. That people go to church looking for God. So may they find more than just us. People go to church looking for God. May they find more than just us. Man, my prayer is that you find his presence here every single time you come here. Not because he's not wherever you are, but in those moments you're like, I didn't come to just a social club. Because to be honest, you don't need a social club. You need Christ. And maybe you're hearing like, well, I don't really like Christians that much. I have good news for you. You don't need Christians. You need Christ. Some of you are like, well, I don't want to go to church. You don't need church. You need Christ. If you're not a believer in him tonight, you truly need him. We will all stand before him one day. We will all stand before him and he'll ask us, are you enough on your own? And every one of us without fault won't be, will, will have to say, no, I am not enough on my own. I couldn't live the life that you desire for me. I couldn't keep your law. I have sinned against you. I'm not enough. I deserve judgment. But his desire, and it's the gospel, which has been freely given to us, is freely to be shared with others, is that there's good news, that the good news that saved me is enough to save you. And that in our hearts, for those of you who have been born again, that he saved you, it is our grateful duty to be able to share that with other people. He doesn't want it to just be enough for us that we're like, wow, at least I'm saved. He's like, share it with others that they might know that Christ died for our sins, that he was raised from the dead and conquered death forever, that we, as we believe and trust in him, we are saved from judgment and we will live eternally. There is no greater gift, there is no greater joy, there is no greater hope than that. And if you're here tonight and you don't know him, those are his words to you, that you would surrender and say, Lord, I turned from the life I was living and I'm going to follow you instead. Forgive me because I know I need it. I receive it and I give you my life, the rest of it. I trust you to be enough. Lord, would you overflow in my life? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. Thank you for your presence. 
Lord, it's, it's not our words that matter, but it's you. So even in this time together, we s- slow down a little bit just to listen for you. Father, I thank you for the way you speak. Lord, I know your heart breaks for our world. I pray that as you fill us with you, our hearts break for our world too. Lord, there's so much division when you desire unity. Would you fill us with you that we might be the ones that bring peace? Lord, that we might be the ones that pursue right relationships with others and with you. Holy Spirit, above all, I ask that you would fill us. Fill us to overflowing, that we recognize you're enough for today, but we also realize your desire to work through us in this world. Would you fill us with you? God, would you fill us with you? Would you fill us with you? Lord Jesus, may you be glorified and honored by every good thing that comes out of this time tonight. Lord, may we be just hungry for your word, that tomorrow drawn to it, drawn to this time to know and to pray those simple things. Lord, help that our daily dependence on you would be more than just today, that tomorrow and the next day, dependent on you, dependent on you. Father, we give you praise for who you are, for all you've done. I pray it in your name. Amen. 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 Well, he is enough, more than enough.